Hello, you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Brandon Elliott. I'm excited today. We have a young cat in the building that has been doing real estate for just a little bit of time right now. I mean, he's 18 years old. So you guys know the whole purpose of this podcast, right? It's all about educating, motivating, and preparing you to take action into real estate. And this is one of those episodes, right? This is one of those episodes because... He just graduated high school just a few months ago, and he closed his first deal prior to actually graduating high school, putting in the work, and he netted $22,000 on the first wholesale deal. He joint ventured on the next two deals that he did, but still walked away on the second one, $21,000. On the third one, $8,400, making it a great win-win situation, and that's pocket for him. So over $50,000 in just a few months at the age of 18. So this is going to be one of those episodes that we're going to dive deep into how he's done it, why real estate, all that fun stuff. But this is literally no excuses type of episode. Like you guys can do exactly the same thing he is and putting in the hard work, but how motivating, how exciting. And yeah, just really, really excited to have you on. Emilio, what's up, man? How are you today, bro? I'm good, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. It's a blessing that you're on with us. So So long story short, I ended up seeing a good mutual friend of us, Jason. He ended up having a meetup recently. And I saw that you guys took a picture on social media and he was shouting you out, giving you respect for first off the accomplishments that you've hit at such a young age very recently. But not just that, your commitment. You drove three hours one way and three hours back, six hours just to make that meeting happen, right? So you're obviously very, you're focused on getting that education yourself in the right rooms, which I love. But for anybody out there that doesn't know a little bit more about your story, who you are, where you're from, all that fun stuff, you mind just diving into that and why real estate for you? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, my name is Emilio. I'm 18 years old. I just turned 18 uh, at the end of July. Uh, I just graduated high school as well. I just began, you know, started wholesaling beginning of this year. And right real estate, you know, Honestly, I'm not sure why exactly. I just, you know, I came upon wholesaling and, you know, just real estate investing not too long ago. And I just decided to dive in. Just no question. Did you have any, did you have any friends, family, anybody within your circle that was doing real estate? My father, he's a, he's a realtor, licensed realtor, but nobody investing. No. Okay. How did you get educated on wholesaling? See it on social media? Yeah. Just a lot of YouTube. That's how I found out about it. And then just being educated, yeah, just a lot of YouTube, a lot of podcasts. Yeah, just that's how I got educated. And I just took action. I, I just took yeah. a lot of action and, you know, a lot of misguided action, a lot of the wrong things. And that's why, you know, I feel like the most important thing is just to take action and make the mistakes early. Yeah, that's good. I do want to hear about some of those learning curves, but where are you from? Which area are you currently located? I live in Northern California in a city uh, near Napa. Napa. Okay, cool. And is that where you're doing your marketing? Is that the wholesaling area that you're targeting? No. So I'm actually marketing in the Central Valley. Central Valley. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And how far is that from you? 
It's about anywhere from two to three and a half, four hours. Okay. So why that area in comparison to your backyard? I wanted to choose a lower price market as well as I saw, you know, some of the people in the Central Valley, you know, like Stratton Brown, Jason Pritchard, you know, Michael Butler, Dean Rogers, those people. So I wanted to be able to connect with them. So I, I chose, you know, a market that they're all in. That's so smart. So basically you saw other people that you looked up to that were crushing it in the space that you wanted to get into. You saw them successful in these areas. So you wanted to start bumping knuckles with these guys so that you can get into that space. And that was the area that you picked solely because of those numbers. Yeah. I love it. Cool. So you got your education through YouTube, podcast. Were you reading any books as well? Did you find any mentors at the time? No, I wasn't reading any books. I just, you know, recently began reading and you know, good. trying to learn more and just build those good habits, uh, yeah. you know, to get my first deal and to get educated. No, I wasn't reading back then. Okay. Yeah. That's respectful, man. I didn't start actually like picking up real books and start educating myself and reading until I was like 24 or like 25. It's like, it's crazy to think about now, but it's so, so crucial. Right. Mm-hmm, um, and you'll see that over time, how much you'll right. grow just from constantly reading and educating yourself. So no particular reason for real estate. How did you guys grow up? If you don't mind me asking middle class more on like struggling or like, were you shooting for real estate because you saw big bucks in it or just helping out people? What were some of the main reasons? Yeah, no, I grew up very blessed. Yeah. Thank God, you know, always just both parents, a great family, supportive family. And, you know, no, no super big struggles. So, you know, it was nothing like that. The reason I feel like I got into real estate was because, yeah, I definitely did see the money and I saw that it could provide a lifestyle that I wanted yeah. and just, you know, the financial freedom. Yeah. It's so good, man, that like you notice that while there's so many other people, I'm sure even just within your class or circle of friends that might have not necessarily seen that yet. Right. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, like you took action right away once you realized you started checking out YouTube and, and seeing how you could be able to do this. Yeah. Then you took action right away when there's so many other people out there. I'm sure you've already noticed and seen that they talk big, like they want to do it. And it sounds cool, you know, to do real estate, but not enough people are actually taking action down that path. So kudos to you for actually doing it. Thank you. Do you have anybody within your circle of like friends, family that now they see that you're getting the results that they're like, hey, teach me this stuff or, you know, help me out. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. A few friends, you know, and I'm more than happy. You know, I always tell them, you know, any questions you have, you know, come to me. I'm more than happy just because I know that when they're asking me questions and I feel confident in the answers that I'm giving them, it helps me feel more confident that I know what I'm doing. Yes. And so, yeah, like I always tell them, you know, any questions you have, come to me, you know, and, you know, I told a few friends about this and, you know, they're starting to do it and it's great, you know? Yeah. It's really cool. And it's almost like confirmation once you start teaching it and start helping out some friends and then they get the results and you're like, oh crap, like I do know what I'm talking about now. It's like proof is in the pudding and it feels really good. It's a good feeling to actually be able to bless other people with the stuff that you've learned and it's worked out with you. So very cool, man. When it comes down to your lead generation, what does that look like? Are you doing bandit signs, direct mail marketing? Are you doing cold calling? You got a team of VAs. What does that look like? Yeah, so I'm just cold calling as of now. I do use just a, yourself. No, I use a cold calling company called Magicians. Great company. Um, they manage and train the VAs, and so I have two cold callers on there. I am looking to get a you know a couple more sometime soon, but yeah, as of now, it's just cold calling. Okay. 
talk to me about the process of wholesaling because maybe there's people brand new, like 17, 18 years old that are jumping on here, listening to your story. And they're like, okay, this sounds cool. Emilio seems like an awesome dude. He's getting the results. What the heck is even wholesaling and where do I start? Right. Yeah. So you start, you know, by uh, marketing to, to people who have properties and, you know, not everybody's going to want to sell, but you're looking for the people that do want to sell and they have a reason to sell. Yeah. And, motivated reason, right? Motivated, yeah, sellers. motivated sellers. And, you know, once you find those sellers that, that are motivated to sell, you know, you have to talk to them and, you know, build relationships with them and rapport. You know, you, you hear that all the time to yeah. be able to, you know, negotiate a price that, you know, that works for them and solves their problem, as well as a price that when you are wholesaling, a price that, you know, you're going to be able to assign for a fee. And, you know, once you get that under contract for that price, you're able to, you know, assign it to an end buyer, a cash buyer, an investor, you know, most of the times that, you know, fix and flipper that will, you know, pay that extra price for the property uh, to fix and flip. Yeah. And how are you getting your, your list together to be able to market to these motivated buyers? So a lot of my list, the ones like the high equity and all that, I'm using a prop stream to do it. Prop and stream. Then, okay. Yeah. And then I'm pulling uh, some, you know, code violations, you know, probate and pre-probate a little bit from the, the county, the, the websites. Yeah. And then I am using a, a third-party company for closures daily. Cool. So are you doing any owner-occupied or out-of-state owners? Yeah, owner-occupied, yeah. Just because, you know, there's only so much you can pull of absentee owners. So sure. I did have to pull some owner-occupied, but yeah, owner out-of-state as well, but uh, just in Central Valley. And then is there any that any restrictions that you're putting on it as far as like year built or, mm-hmm. or anything like that? So I like to stay, you know, 40% equity. And then, you know, when it comes to year built, I think I put, usually put the restriction around 2005. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, like I said, I have VA, so I'm trying to give them as much data to call. So that would be like the newest 2005, but yeah, 2005 would be the newest. Is there anything like super old that you just wouldn't touch? No, you know, one yeah. of my deals was from a property that was built in like 1900 exactly. So yeah, it was a really bad property, but you know, the numbers worked. Yeah, I got a couple of those like young 1910, 1920 yeah. properties and they got some really awesome craftsmanship, mm-hmm. but like a hundred year old property, it's wild to think about and doing the full renovation to it. It's like, it could be a lot. Definitely. Okay, so after you get your leads, you scrape them, clean them, and you have a service that is doing this for you, correct? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. And then afterwards, you have the magicians that are actually doing all the cold calling for you. Right. Uh, once they get a couple motivated sellers, then what does that look like? They send them over to you and then you actually jump on the phone calls? Yeah. So the callers, you know, they're bringing in all the leads and, you know, not every lead's going to be a deal, but I'm doing all the lead managing. I'm following up with all the leads and, you know, just qualifying them. And then eventually, you know, if they, once they are qualified and they're motivated and, and, you know, we negotiated, you know, putting them under contract. Okay. And then what does that follow-up look like? Like once you get a fresh lead, are you trying to, you know, make that call right away, get on the phone with them as soon as possible so that you can keep it hot and fresh? Yeah. Okay. And then as far as the follow-up goes, what is your average like time frame? Is it pretty quick to close or get them under contract? Or does it take like five follow-up calls, meeting in person, several weeks or months later? Mm-hmm. So 
just from the three deals, I think, you know, two of them were, you know, pretty easy. Once the lead came in, I probably less than a week later. Love it. And then the one of them, you know, it was about a, a month to two month follow up. And so consistently just jumping on the phone calls, how often were you following up on that lead? And which one was that? Was that the first, second or third? That was a little bit. The second one. The second one took about two months to close. About, yeah, I think it was about two months. I was following up with him, you know, every week or so, you know, he wanted to sell, was just kind of just on on his toes because the tenants, he didn't want to get them out, but the property was really bad. He didn't want to deal with it anymore. He's had a trucking company that he just was too far away from that, from the property. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So the contracts that you utilize, where did you get the contracts? Did you get a lawyer to draft them up or what does that look like? Yeah. So the contracts I use, I just got from a Facebook group, yep. you know, Central California, you know, real estate investing group. Yep. I just use those and, you know, they work fine. Love it. And how detailed are they? Is it like a 15, 30 page contract or is it like a one sheet, two page? Yeah. It's, you know, I what believe is it's like two and a half pages. Yeah. Very simple. You know, I did have one experience where I gave a seller a one page contract and he, he thought it wasn't legit and yeah. I didn't get that deal. So, I mean, it, you, you learn, you kind of like which sellers you have to be able to read them, which sellers are going to, you're going to want to give that one to three page contract and which sellers you want to give the, the longer contracts to just, just to be able to uh, close them. Yeah. Yeah. You want to come off like uh, just professional and serious. And sometimes there's like certain type of personality that like gets very analytical and they're like, Hey, I remember closing on this deal years ago and it was like a hundred page contract traditional wise. And now it's just a one page. It looks a little fishy. And then there's other people, personality type, like, dude, just take it, you know, like here, I'll sign whatever, just get it going. So have you ever had anybody out of these three deals, anybody that second guessed maybe your age or, or like just competence and being able to actually like close the deal? No, it did take me four months to get my first deal under contract. So I feel at that point, you know, I was very confident in what I was doing. I feel like in the beginning, I I wouldn't have been as confident as when I was talking. But, you know, at at that point, I knew what I was talking about. I felt confident and I just, I knew that I had to reflect that confidence onto them so that they knew that, that I know what I'm doing. Yeah, exactly. So does anybody ever bring up like, hey, you sound young or a lot of people do? Yeah, It's happened a couple of times, especially in the beginning. In the beginning, you know, I would stutter a lot. Okay. Uh, so it definitely happened. But now, you know, it happens every now and then, but you know, it just, it kind of comes and then it goes and then we just go back to. Yeah. Go back to the deal. Right. Yeah. Like, like, you know, let's talk about this problem again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so give me an example of like what you do to actually qualify them when you get this hot lead that comes in, you know, what does that look like? Do you have a sheet that you're just going down the charts of what this looks like? Yeah. So, you know, when I'm qualifying them, just trying to gather the motivation, asking them, you know, what's the reason they're looking to sell? You know, a lot of the times I'll ask them, you know, it looks like a great property. You know, what is the reason you're looking to sell? Or, you know, if you were to sell this property cash, you know, why would you? And, you know, when they give me that reason, I call it impact questions. I just try to ask them those like, you know, uh, when you say this and this, you know, can you give me an example? Or, you know, like, why do you think that's happening? And things like that, just to kind of bring the motivation out of them. And when I'm giving the offer, you know, go over all of that and, you know, just explain to them why my offer is what it is. Yeah, that's good. And do any of them give you like once you present the offer, they're like, oh, no, that's too low. All the time. All the time. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then what was it? I like to anchor price a lot. So, you know, I'll I'll give them a price of a property that sold in the area. 
And, you know, I'll tell them, you know, that this house sold for this much. And they're like, oh, no, that's way too low. So, you know, where were you looking to be? I do that a lot if they haven't given me a price already just to get a price out of them. Yeah. So you want them to speak first, right? So you can get a rough estimate of like, where are they mentally at with the number that they're anticipating? Because you're not going to shoot yourself in the foot if like you were going to offer like 160 to 170 because you can sell it for 400 when they're thinking like 430 or 440, right? You're not going to be like, oh, well. (laughs) Yeah, actually my, uh, the second deal, the one I was following up with for like two months, I was having a hard time comping it. And he just wanted to give me an offer. So I had anchor priced him. I think I was going to give him an offer range of like one to 120, 100 to 120. And then I had anchor priced him at like 80,000. And he had told me, you know, if you give me 90,000, I'll sign right now. And I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, kind of give him some, you know, pushback, you know, told him I had to get that price confirmed, put him on hold and all that. Yeah. And just, I called uh, Stratton and he told me, yeah, that price works, get it locked up. So got that locked up by 90,000 and sold it at 120. I love it. I love it. Good for you, man. That's powerful. Yeah, it's crazy. Like you never want to necessarily give them exactly what they want unless it it works out. But because if you come in just a little bit lower, then they'll feel like it's a little tug. Otherwise, if you give them exactly what they want right away, sometimes without any resistance and you just jump on it, then later on they could have that buyer's remorse thinking like that they or seller's remorse in this aspect, because they think that, well, what if I would have asked for more and I could have got that, you know? Right. So that's just sales tactics, but I love that, man. You're learning a lot. So do you mind just diving into the first three deals that you've done? Like, what did that look like, the process? And you said that first one, it took four months from when you started to actually when you locked it in? Yeah, four months to get it under contract. And then, you know, on the fifth month, like a month later, it closed. You know, that that deal... It was a very sophisticated seller. You know, she knew a lot about the process of a transaction. You know, the reason she sold at a discount was just because, you know, it wasn't a, a like a, a not so good neighborhood in Stockton. Yeah. And, you know, she just didn't want to do the property management for it. So yeah. we sold at a discount. And throughout the process, you know, it was kind of hard. She wanted proof of funds. When she saw the, that I had assigned the contract, she wanted to be sent the assignment contract to be, you know, made sure that everything was going through escrow. No, things like that. So that one was, you know, a little tough, you know, at certain points, you know, I thought that I lost the deal because she wasn't answering my calls anymore. And, you know, at a point I think she had texted me, she didn't want to move forward anymore. But, you know, eventually, you know, I got back on the phone with her, talked it out. It was all good. And, you know, we closed. And then after I actually closed my first deal, I paid Stratton Brown for some mentorship and he's been, you know, the biggest help beginning to scale and, you know, grow. So I, yeah. I owe a lot to him. Definitely. You know, he's helped me so much and I, just yeah i love that i do want to talk about that in just a moment like the second and third deal and just the mentorship that you jumped into but how many leads did you go through roughly like phone calls and everything until you finally got that one locked up like what was the numbers game that you kind of played honestly if i were to give you a number it would be completely guessing just because at that time i was completely unorganized i had no idea you know i wasn't keeping track of my leads i hear you my dad none of that so I think at that time when I got my first contract, I probably had like six leads in my podio just because, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't organized at all. Okay. Yeah. And that's rightfully so like so many of us, and that's the difference though. Like some people get overcomplicated, making sure that it's perfect before actually taking action. 
Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's going to take them forever to actually get the results. They'll just give up sometime in between because they're not getting the motivation from getting the results. So I'm just so excited that you actually took action first, even if it was messy and chaos, because you got the results next. And then afterwards, now you can start getting more organized. Yeah. But roughly, do you think it was like 50, 100? I know it's totally just throwing it out there, guessing. Uh, but 50, what, what do you mean? Like, like the leads that came in, were you calling and following up with maybe throughout the four months, maybe like 50 or 100 leads, 200 leads before you finally got one? 50 to 100, just because, you know, back then I was being very strict on what I would bring in as a lead. Okay. Um, you know, now, you know, I have my callers bringing in everything. Anybody that has any interest in selling, they'll bring them in. And yeah. even, you know, I'll get on the phone with them. Even if they're not interested in selling now, I'll put them on a three-month follow-up, four-month follow-up, six-month follow-up. I just want to keep everything. Love it. Yeah, that's powerful. So now you're widening kind of the net, like make it a little bit more broad so you can yeah. capture it more and funnel through them. That's awesome. And you mentioned like the ups and downs, right? The ups and downs on that first one yeah. by dealing with that savvy seller. And she wanted proof of funds and she wanted to see the assignment contract. Were yeah. you upfront about assigning these contracts in the beginning or it's just within the contract? So do you just say, hey, I'm going to be purchasing this property or one of my partners? Yeah, so it was, it was both. It was in the contract. We went over that and I had told her, you know, I'm going to be assigning it to one of my partners, but I never told her it was for a fee. Okay. But, you know, she was sent the assignment contract and, you know, it was there for her to see that I was getting a, a fee, but she never said anything about it. Okay. So you didn't do like a double close with escrow. So she could actually see the numbers that you're profiting and making. Right. Okay. And she didn't ever say anything. She didn't have any issue with that. Never. No. I love it. Okay, good. Have you experienced with any of the other assignments that the seller like brings it up to you? Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're making this much? No, not yet. No. Okay, good. (laughs) Have you ever thought about doing the double closing? I definitely thought about it. I'm just right now just trying to bring more wholesale deals, you know, just assigning contracts. And then once I get to the point where I can bring on, you know, other strategies, definitely. Yeah. Very cool, man. I love that. Cool. So tell me also just your feelings of the up and down process, right? When you thought she started ignoring you and she, you know, you thought the deal was done. Were you sweating bullets or you're just like, damn, like what, what did that look like? Definitely. It was hard, you know, because like I said, it took me four months to get it under contract. It's so close, right? Like you can feel it, you know? And then, you know, when she sent me a text that she didn't want to move forward anymore, I just felt like it was over. And I made the mistake, you know, of stopping my lead generation once, you know, I was just focusing on the escrow and making sure she was getting everything she wanted because, so I made that mistake, which, you know, I know to never make that mistake again of stopping lead generation, but it was just, yeah, it was hard. I I felt like, like I had lost it when it was so close. Yeah. So how much money did you actually put into marketing at that time to get, to actually like close that deal? Do you roughly know how much money you put towards marketing? To marketing, I think it was about 4000 4000 roughly for yeah. all the equipment, all the management and the lead, all that fun stuff? Yeah. Okay. So about 4000 to get that deal. And how did you show proof of funds? Proof of funds. So I actually reached out to a hard money lender, a hard money yeah. lending company, and yeah. then, you know, told them that I was looking to submit an offer. So that, you know, they wrote me a letter and I just sent her the letter and, you know, so I was all good. Yeah. And she didn't have any issues with that. No. Love it. And that covered the whole purchase price of the property. Right. 
Cool. So tell me about the second and third deal. How did you come across the education that you started getting, the mentorship, and what did that look like? So when it comes to the mentorship, I actually reached out to Stratton, you know, a little bit before my first deal closed. Yeah. And once it did close, you know, I I invested in myself and paid him money for mentorship. And from there, you know, he told me to get callers. You know, I was a little, I didn't want to get callers at first. You know, I always thought, you know, close a bunch of deals by by yourself and then get some callers. And, but, you know, he told me, he was like, trust me, this is why you paid me. And he said those exact things. This is why you paid me. Just do it. And it was the best decision I could have made because it's just, you know, with two callers calling six hours a day, that's an extra 12 hours a day of lead generation. Yep. So just seeing those leads come in every day, you know, it's a big help. I love that. It is so powerful once you start outsourcing and like, and the sooner you do it, because there's some people that get into that rut of like, I'll start hiring out once I get successful or once I start bringing in enough money or I get so overwhelmed. But the problem is like, you really do need to step outside the box and look at it as a full business and work on the business and not in the business as much so that you can produce more. So that's one of the best advices, you know, hands down for sure. Definitely. So when it came down to hiring, you hired two VAs that were doing cold calling. What did that look like? How did you find them? Did he have resources for you or? Yeah. So it's actually through his company, Call Magicians. And, you know, they find them, they train them, they manage them. So really all I'm doing is, you know, every now and then listening to their their recordings, giving my feedback, and they're really good with implementing the feedback. It's, it's a great company, honestly. You know, if anybody's looking to get some, uh, you know, cold callers, or, you know, I think they do lead managers and they do all types of VAs. It's not just real estate, any type of company you have, they're a great company. Yeah. And what were the costs roughly like per month for their services that you started paying into? It's about monthly. It's it was a couple thousand, you know, yeah. per caller. But it's worth it, you know. Once the leads come in, and you know, my last two deal or my second and third deal have come from leads that they generated. Yeah. And, and so, did you even have to close those leads, or did the VAs do it? So I closed them, but I mean, you know, they're bringing in those leads, and it's like I said, that extra twelve hours of lead generation per day. Yes, yeah. that's what that's what it's uh, coming from. So, I, yeah, but they, I, do, I I did do the lead management and the closing of it. But they probably came in like super hot, like really like ready yeah. to go, right? Because yeah. these guys are super trained and can really set you up for success. So it saved you so much time. Right. Yeah. Cool. So what did that second deal look like? I know the first one you mentioned, you actually pocketed 22K, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the, the second that you ended up joint venturing on, but just what did that look like? You locked it in within a week, you said? No, the second one, that was the one that took me, you know, about a month and a half of follow-up. Okay, yeah. Two months of follow-up. And it was just following up with him, you know, every week or so just to check in. And, you know, I hadn't given my offer until, you know, like the final call or the call before the final call. And the reason for that was you just didn't feel the urgency, the motivation from him. He wasn't spitting out any numbers that like you couldn't get a number from him. Yeah. And then, you know, once it came down to the end, he was telling me, yeah, you know, I'm ready to sell now. So I told, we got into the numbers and like I said, what, that, that was what happened where I got it under contract at 90,000 yep. and then, you know, the property ended up being really bad. So I had to go out there, get some pictures and, and it was really bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. What was so bad about it? Like, what did it look like? Was the roof falling apart? The It was really old. You know, the wood was all rotten. It was like caving in. I think, you know, there was no foundation because it was a 1900 built, no foundation yeah. the inside, you know. From with the buyer, I never walked through the inside, but you know, I had I talked to the buyer, and the buyer was telling me the inside 
was, you know, the bathroom was just all messed up. It was covered by tarp. So it was like, it makes you wonder, like, how were they living in there when the property was like that? Oh, people were living in there. Yeah, there was tenants. Oh, shoot, man. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's wild to think about that. Once you see some of these deals over the next couple of years, you're going to see yeah. more and more craziness like that and be like, dude, how do people actually live like this? Definitely brings in some strong gratitude, though, of like, how <laughs> yeah, blessed we are. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So that second one, roughly go over the numbers with me on that. There was about 30K on the yeah. deal, but you JV'd it. Mm-hmm. I JV with Strat. He helped me find the buyer. Got it under a contract at 90, sold it at 120. I love it. So you walked away with 21K pocket yourself. Right. And then how did you find the buyer on the first one? Because you didn't have a, you didn't JV anybody you, and yeah. you didn't even have the proper like education, right? Like yeah. you're just doing it yourself. Yeah, on the first one, I just reached out to a lot of people on Facebook, and I just just talked to yeah, I talked to a lot of people on Facebook. A lot of people didn't want it. This was back in April, yeah. And back then, I I found that a lot of buyers weren't buying with tenants in there. Sure. You know, this buyer didn't mind it, and you know, he wanted to do it just like a walkthrough, and then actually had he wanted to do an inspection with his inspector, and you know, everything turned out just fine, and the numbers worked for them, so they bought it. Now, how many people did you have to go through on the buyer side or how long did that take to actually find somebody that was like serious about moving forward? I think I assigned it about two weeks after getting it under contract. Okay. So, and as far as how many buyers, I would say I wasn't talking to that many buyers. I would say probably less than six. Oh, wow. I love it. And then one was just more serious than the other and actually stepped up to the plate. Yeah. Okay. How long on these contracts do you give yourself to actually close on the deal? To close on the deal, 30 days. And then to the inspection period, 21 days. 21 days. Okay. And then have you ever needed to ask for an extension? No. Okay. Yeah. And that's out of the question for you, right? Like you're going to get this thing gone one way or the other. Yeah. Because if I get it under contract, you know, I want it to be at a price that I feel confident I can sell it. I don't want to put these sellers in a position to where I'm locking it up at a price that, you know, I might be able to sell it. I might not. And then it turns out they're not going to be able to sell their property when, you know, they have a situation where they want to or need to. Yeah. Now, how are you doing your comps and how did you get educated on the comps to feel confident in those numbers? I just prop stream. I'm running my comps. And then as far as, you know, being educated, just watching a lot of YouTube and just doing it, doing it over and over and over again. You know, I still have, you know, some properties where, you know, there's not too many comps in the area. So I'll have to, you know, double check with uh, Stratton or double check with, you know, a buyer or something. So it's just, I'm still learning. I'm still learning yeah. every day. Yeah. And I mean, like, we'll always be learning. I'm, I'm still yeah. learning, right? Like right. when you're 50, 100 years old, you're going to still be learning. So that's the best part. And the most exciting thing about this game is that it's ever changing. There's going to be new obstacles on each deal, but it makes it fun and exciting. Not the same thing every day. Um, but it is something that you can systemize and get really good at over time, which is awesome. Yeah. So when you're locking these in contract, what are you putting down for the earnest money deposit to open escrow? So for the first one, like I said, it was a very savvy seller. So I didn't want to lose the deal by putting, you know, some very low deposit. Yeah. So I actually did $5,000 yeah. for the deposit. You know, I actually had to borrow money from my brother to put that deposit. And, you know, he, he trusted me and and it all worked out good and I was able to pay him back. Okay, good, good, good. I love it. And then when you actually assign it, are you requesting more than that? 5,000 or are you doing 10? So for that one, I think I just it required six. Okay, just to get your money back and get a little yeah, something on top just, just in case. case. Yeah. Right. 
Smart man, smart man. Cool. So tell me about that second or the third deal. The third deal. This one was super easy lead. This one came in super hot. One of the cold callers, I think, you know, he came in asking like 220 because, you know, he had offers at 210 and 215. And this one, I didn't have to build any rapport with. I didn't have to, you know, get a dig deep into the motivation. He was telling me, you give me 220, I'll sell. And, you know, I ran the comps and I was like, it makes sense at 220. You know, so I kind of told him, I demonstrated to him that it was tough to give him 220. So yeah. I did pushback, but then, you know, eventually got it under contract. I think we actually, he bid me up to 225. Oh no, I think it was 223. He wanted 225 and then I got it to 223. So I got it at 223. Okay, 223. And then the profits on that was at 12K, but you did joint venture that because of your mentor at the time ended up helping you with a, a buyer? Yeah. Okay. And so you walked away with 8,400. Right. Love it. Cool, man. So let's talk about the struggles for a second or learning curves, because in the beginning of this, you mentioned, hey, I'd rather fail sooner than later and really like get the ball rolling and, and learn so that I can you know, improve and get better over time. Have you experienced any type of obstacles or something that has been uh, stressful as you've been getting out there and doing it? So lately, you know, uh, nothing, just been trying to stay consistent and just keep myself busy. But in the beginning, you know, I was trying this and this and this, a little bit of this, you know, so it was the shiny object syndrome that really got to me. Yeah. And it was, it took me, like I said, four months. So it was, I had to really focus on one thing and that was cold calling yep. to, in one market as well. Yeah. To really be able to just so, consistently bring in leads. So previously you started looking in other markets maybe. And also when you got that one deal under contract, you already mentioned it was a learning curve because you stopped doing your marketing. Yeah. Uh, so all those things, you know, some good learning curves for somebody just getting started, what not to do. Is there any other like one particular thing that, somebody just getting started that you would recommend like, Hey, like don't make this mistake. I think, like I said, the main thing would just be not to get shiny object syndrome. Stick to one uh, marketing channel, stick to one one market and consistently do that and just build a pipeline of leads. I think that's the most important thing. And it took me a while to figure that out. I think, and that's like I said, the most important. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. I love it. So cool, man. That's super exciting. It's a ton of motivation. And it, it, you're not just doing like you're at a high school now. Do you do you have plans on going to college? Not yeah, don't. I'm, <laughs> I'm not I'm never ever like the type of person to push you. If you said yes, then I'd be like, cool. But you already know it's like if you're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, you know, something like that, then maybe go to college. Right. But yeah. but honestly, you're you're on the right path. Just keep picking up those books. I think that's going to really help you out and keep on diving into the mentorship. And stay focused, laser beam focused, like you mentioned, which is awesome. So, you know, is what does the future look like for you? What are you trying to accomplish this year? Do you have any certain type of goals, timeframes that you're trying to stay within to hit some bigger goals? Definitely. You know, as far as uh, short term right now, I'm trying to build my capital and as well as my credit. I just turned 18 yeah. and buying uh, an e-commerce store. I know you're into that. So I've seen that. And that's definitely something I'm interested in, yep. uh, you know, the automation of it. Yep. And then, you know, as far as long-term, you know, I haven't thought that far ahead, but I do have a goal. You know, I want to hit a month where I make a hundred thousand dollars at 18 years old. And yeah. I chose that goal because I know it's going to be hard and I know it's going to push me to work more. You know, uh, I could have chosen an easy goal, but that wouldn't motivate me as much to, you know, get up every day and do the follow-ups, do the things that I don't want to do. Yeah. 
So how many hours a day are you putting in work within the wholesaling business? Because you're also doing a side hustle, helping out some family members with a food truck. And you're putting in about 20 something hours a week doing that as well. About, yeah. But into this, you know, I really as much time as possible, I would say a minimum of, you know, four hours. I really like to do as much as I possibly can, whether I'm, you know, doing follow-ups or, you know, a little bit of cold calling. I still do with the more niche list or, you know, networking with buyers, you know, building a buyer's list is what I've been doing as of most recently. Yeah. That's good. How long are you typically staying on the phone with some of these leads? Like, you know, the the more qualified leads, you know, it can come up to, I think the longest call I've been on is like close to 40 minutes. But on average, when it comes to, you know, just checking in with the leads and, you know, when it's just follow-ups, like about five minutes. Okay. So five minutes or so, and you can qualify them pretty quick or take them off the list or whatever pretty fast. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's good. That's cool, man. I love those goals too. That's very, very powerful. And I know you can do it. I know you can do it at the end of the day. It's definitely doable. And it's exciting to think like you want to get into more passive income, get the automation stores going to make Mm -hmm. you some good returns on the side. So that's awesome, man. And we do help out tons of people with credit as well as the e-commerce stuff, but would love to bless you and help you out anytime in the future if you ever need it. Yeah, man, we were able to help out my nephew, 18 years old get his FICO up to a little over 800. It was like 812 within 30 days. So a lot of positive, crazy stuff that you can do with credit in the future. But Mm -hmm. cool, man. Well, how can people get a hold of you? Best method. Instagram, Emilio Lara. The Lara is with a one, the the L. And then, you know, DM me there or on Facebook, Emilio Lara. You know, just like I said, I'm always trying to network. And, you know, like I said, uh, I love answering questions because like it, it helps me know that I understand. Oh yeah. No, I love it. And you'll see that too over time. Like the more you're helping out people, it's going to, it's very rewarding, but it's also, it's confirmation of like, it just sticks more. So it's good. So on Instagram, it's Emilio and then one A-R-A, right? Right. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, cool. So guys, do me a favor, reach out to Emilio. He's got nothing but fire, obviously very in the, you know, beginning stages, but crushing it in so many different ways. And the snowball effect from that, is just going to be tremendous. So if you need any type of motivation, if you need any type of education, then I would definitely reach out to this guy because he's just everything and all that mixed up to be able to really help out you guys and to eliminate all those excuses that you might be making for yourself. If he can do it, if I can do it, you can do it, bottom line. So I hope you got that message today on the podcast. As always, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. Make sure that you share this out, tag somebody in that needs to actually see this and get that motivation and education today so that you guys can change your trajectory, your financial future and your generational wealth for the future. And leave a review. Let us know how you guys feel about the podcast. Show some love on this one. Reach out to Emilio. Show some love for him as well. And if you guys want to reach out to me, you can always do so on Instagram. That's Brandon Elliott Investments or on facebook.com forward slash Brandon Elliott Investor. And if you guys need any type of credit repair, do it for you services, then you can check out creditrepairmobile.com. Otherwise, if you're looking to check out our mastermind group for Credit Council Elite, then what we teach there is basically how to educate yourself on how the banks and lenders are judging you, how to be able to fix your credit very quickly. I'm talking 24 hours up to 10 business days. And then being able to build up several six figures in funding, get to the 800 score, get multiple six figures in funding, even up to seven figures in funding on business side of credit and so forth. 
And then once you have all that money, put it to work, you know, buy properties like we have with credit, complete all your remodels, do hard money lending with your credit, start up e-commerce stores, like the list goes on and on, fund your business and make your money work hard for you, your credit work hard for you, just like the banks do. So if you're interested in that, you can always check out creditcounselelite.com and you can apply on there. Otherwise, greatly appreciate all the support on the podcast as well. And Emilio, dude, I'm so proud of you, bro. I really am. I can't say it enough. I'm really excited and thankful that you took time out of your day to be able to bless the listeners back. Is there anything that myself or the listeners could do to give back to you? You know, just reach out to me. Like I said, love networking, love answering questions. And, you know, I want to build relationships with everybody, especially people like you, you know, who, who have, a, you know, credibility and, you know, I, I can do more business with. I would love to do that. Yeah. No, Thank man, you for having me on. I really yeah, appreciate no, Yeah, I appreciate you, bro. Your, your heart's in the right place and you're going big places. So I'm excited for you. I'm really excited to have you on in the future as well. Check in another six months, a year, two years down the road and, and see just that compound effect of what you're doing within your life, but within your business, within your family, within your circle of influence. It's going to be awesome. So appreciate you, bro. Yeah, guys, make sure you hit that subscribe button and we will see you on the very next episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing. Till next time, stay blessed. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit brandonelliotinvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.